Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, episode number 26. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Before we get into the interview today, I wanted to do something that we haven't done before, and that's we've got to go over some five-star reviews we've gotten in iTunes, and I wanted to thank those people that have taken the time to leave the reviews. I understand that iTunes does not make it easy for you as a consumer to leave reviews for the podcast, and I understand as a, a, a podcast consumer myself, I listen to four-plus hours a day of podcasts on a commute, two hours each way to work, and I never once left a review, even though there were podcasts that were fabulously helpful to me. So I realize that not everyone is going to do that. But if you're already in iTunes and you're already listening to us there, please take a moment to go to the reviews and the ratings for the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast and leave one. Leave an honest feedback. If you hate what we're doing and you think it's awful or you hate the audio quality or whatever else it is, leave me that honest feedback. At least I can take that and try to work on it and try to do something to improve that part of the show that's a barrier for you. If you think we're doing great work and you like the owners that you're hearing and the things that you're hearing on the podcast, let us know that as well. wanted to say thank you to uh, Local Flava who left us a review, a five-star review. It says there's a lot of great information here. The interviews are interesting to listen to, and they stay on topic throughout the show. So we definitely do try to stay in topic and spend most of our time on the show giving you actual valuable content and not a lot of other advertising or solicitations or even me just yammering away. So um, we definitely try to do that. Also, The Overwhelmed Brain has given us a five-star review says, fantastic. Love the perspective of brick-and-mortar business owners. It's a whole different animal, many challenges, and many takeaways in the show. Great positive host. Keeps it interesting and educational. Awesome. So thank you, Overwhelmed Brain. I know it's not easy to remember to take at the time to review the podcast that you love, and I appreciate you doing that. Also have selfemployedking.com has left us a five-star review. It says, Christy does an awesome job talking with everyday business owners who help build our economy. Hearing these stories is inspiring, motivating, and needed to encourage more people to enter the entrepreneurial journey. So thank you, selfemployedking.com, for that five-star review as well. Also have HoneyBear080808 said, I found a new place to dine. Christy did an awesome job, and now I want to visit Grits and Groceries. Keep up the great work. So for those of you that have taken the time to leave us a five-star review in iTunes, it means more than you can imagine. It also helps us with our reach and helps us with our rankings in iTunes. And the more people that we can get listening to the podcast, the more feedback we can get and the more valuable we can make it to you. So thank you, our listeners. I appreciate all you've done. And I won't delay you any longer, so here's the interview. Hi there, localists. My name is Christy Hostler. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast today. I've got an exciting guest for you. And the reason she's exciting is because she has taste like you would not believe. Today, I've got Danielle LeBold. She's the owner of LeBold and Son Salvage. Now, when you hear LeBold and Son Salvage, don't be fooled. It's a local art gallery and a vintage boutique in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And someone once described it and said that unique is too cliche of a way to describe LeBold and Sons. Um, Danielle has an eye for art, and she can take some Something that's very ordinary or even old 
and turn it into a masterpiece that you just want in your house. So she's here today to share the journey she has taken with her unique business and to share the lessons along the way. So welcome to the podcast, Danielle. We're so glad to have you here. Well, thank you. That was quite an introduction. That was um, was speechless. I'm so glad that you just now decided to talk to me because I was like, wow, that sounded amazing. (laughs) Well, you know, the interest... The interesting thing is you can see, if, I wish people could see visually what we can see online from your store and that sort of thing. And we'll link up to, to that sort of thing later on so people can. But Wonderful. when you get a view of even there's some videos online and that sort of thing that Danielle has made that um, really highlight the things she can do with her store. So we're, we're glad to share that with everyone. But Danielle, why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally, and just kind of take sure. us up to the point at where you are right now okay well I basically started um, when I was a child uh, with basically I kind of just got into seeing things that most people thought as junk and I don't really recall ever going yard selling or anything Mm -hmm. like that but it was mostly things that people had discarded that I would go knock on their door and say, excuse me, are you throwing this away? Things that would just be set on the curb. And they would Mm -hmm. say, oh, yeah, if you want it, take it. And so I started doing that literally when I was probably about eight years old. And I I don't remember not doing it. And so most projects (laughs) were just given to friends and family. And Mm -hmm. if I saw an old television, I'd turn it into a dog bed. But I did that in the early 90s. So I love seeing it on Pinterest now, but I've been doing those or making those dog beds. Um, I could not see uh, the old televisions in those wooden cabinets be destroyed. Yes. And the there's console. not a really drop-off spot for them because Goodwill doesn't take them. So they're mm-hmm. always sitting outside. And so I've made fish aquariums. I have turned them into um, centerpiece cabinets for, you know, really nice um, salons here in town. Mm-hmm. I'm in wow. Bill. Just they're like the focal point of the, the whole place is an old television that has gutted wow. and painted inside with lighting put in it with little shelves, little retro shelves. But I, I and I've always thought of them as what other people think is trash is what mm-hmm. I can kind of turn into something that, it's a one of a kind and kind of one of the most talked about pieces in the store. So that wow. just has always gotten me excited. Um, I, I don't ever remember not doing it, but so bad. <laughs> so I've enjoyed <laughs> it my whole life. But mm-hmm. I, I finally decided it's what I wanted to do for a living is when um, I've always been a bartender. I graduated uh, Western uh, with an interior design degree in uh, 2000, moved to Louisville and ended up in a kind of industrial type of uh, job where I did corporate and you just kind of lose your mojo. Um, mm-hmm. if every single client uh, orders a two-by-two terracotta. So yeah. I literally <laughs> lost my mind there and um, moved back home um, and started make- doing booths where I would just rent a section and just, uh, I've always collected mannequins for some reason. So mm-hmm. if you ever ask where my booths were around town, I'll just say, look for the ones with all the mannequins. And <laughs> I've always just kept them better dressed than myself. But anyway, oh, wow. <laughs> um, I, that's what started it. And then uh, 
I just was in a bartending situation right next to an art gallery downtown, and I did some artwork and chalk, which I didn't really ever have an art class, but mm-hmm. I did a disgruntled cat in knickers. <laughs> looking mad, like exactly what a cat would look like if you put clothes on them. Uh-huh. So, um, I, I was on my way to work to bartend, and I stopped in and spoke with the manager. She just happened to be um, a really great, cool person. I talked with her for a while, and she I showed her a few of my sketches, and she asked if she could have some for the gallery. And I hid it, hid it as far as the the local art scene because someone ended up buying a, a piece that was in the parade of homes. And uh, oh, wow. I called the town. We're a pretty small town, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, a clicky kind of, someone sees something in parade of homes and someone wants it. So there was, mm-hmm. a, there was a more demand than I could get out there for a while. And then I realized that not every artist, but just way better than me, doesn't get that just just luck as far as right. luck. I mean, it was just really luck is what mm-hmm. I thought. But there's some uh, so many talented artists, and we have a great art program at Western, which I did not attend. And so I get <laughs> things that I'm like, you're kidding. You know, things I have people that use in their oil paintings, coffee grounds, and to get texture. You know, I just learned something. Uh-huh. It's not just just some people that paint. I also have just every type of artist you could possibly imagine. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I just l- had the luck of the draw, and I thought, it's not really fair that an art gallery gets half of your money. Right. If you're an artist and they make 50%, you know, they mark it at 50%, that's mm-hmm. fair. So uh, in 2010, I opened a very small art gallery that was just 10% to cover my tax, basically. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like what I did. And it, and that's what I still do. Um, but mm-hmm. you have to sell a little bit of everything else in order to, to do that, to do right. it. But it's been the best thing I've ever done. I get to get some of the best artists in in Nashville and in Bowling Green that get the, to bring their artwork in and get the fair price. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want the people that want to pay more, you know, mm-hmm. like if mm-hmm. we're here for bargains and, you know, we, we try to keep um, everything very competitive and we always say we are easy to get along with and mm-hmm. we buy in bulk. So if you do too, <laughs> we do a lot okay. of selling. Yeah. So I sell a lot to dealers and things like that. Oh, wow. I'm, okay. I'm closed three days a week. Uh huh. Interesting. So you've kind of um, changed the the art gallery business model a little bit. I your... kind of did. I I kind of I don't know if I upset anyone. <laughs> Not the artist for sure. <laughs> I still have my pieces in the galleries in town, and not all galleries charge that. But there are the lowest is thirty percent, and I'm happy to pay it. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful place. Um, absolutely, you know, I'm proud to be in that gallery. Um, I just, I, I just find it that there's a lot of people that don't get the chance and right. then they don't, they don't really, uh, value their work enough. You know, they'll come in mm-hmm. and they'll have these prices on them and it's a little bit more than what the canvas costs. 
So I've I've found, you know, in this town, because it's a college town, I've found Mm -hmm. a lot of artwork just thrown in the garbage. And I've contacted the artist to see if it was like, if it was on purpose or if they were Mm -hmm. evicted. And a lot of times I just get, no, I don't want them. And, you know, I never sell those. Those are pieces that I will keep. But Mm -hmm. I don't understand that you would throw something like that away. Wow. It blows my mind. Well, so you've been able to actually give more exposure to some of the people really that probably would not have had a chance to be exposed or even get to a point where they could get a following. Absolutely, even photographers. Uh, Yes, it just seems like... um, they're not in a gallery. How are you not in a gallery? You know, right. their pieces and then uh, tell them that they should, you know, and then once they get pieces selling, they realize that they do have, I don't know, it's more of like a self-esteem issue. Yeah, and changes their confidence absolutely, level. Absolutely, you know, and then they get to go to other galleries and, and mm-hmm. uh, just get more involved in the art community because we have an awesome program in Bowling Green. Well, you know, the interesting thing is I don't think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that do art and they they have that in them naturally and kind of like you did. It just comes out of you. You almost can't stop it from happening. But until you actually sell that first piece, you really don't consider yourself an artist. Exactly. That is so true. That's why when when the manager of the gallery next to the bar, you know, I would just go on my way to work and I let mm-hmm. her see a sketch pad of just some ridiculous dog <laughs> I will bike, you know, um lizards with attitude, monkeys <laughs> with attitude, um, you know, seventeenth century, you know, cats. That would be in the entire getup, but but have an owl on their shoulder that's just instead of a parrot. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> funny pictures that you're just like, what on earth? Um, almost childlike. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really understand why she liked it, but um, like I said, it, it just seemed to click with people, and um, I've I've always enjoyed doing it, and now I can't really stop. You can't stop me. Right. Well, you know, I think once you lower that barrier of entry into the world of the the official artist by allowing more people to have exposure, um, you're you're creating part of the artist community that might never have existed had you not lowered that barrier of entry. So, I mean, you're responsible for, for creating a bulk of that community. I appreciate that. I, I totally sell my artwork, one of a kind pieces, in the $25 range, and mm-hmm. people don't understand why. And I feel that is if, if it's something that really clicks with you, whether it's over the price or not, um, mm-hmm. that you just that you like something that I created out of my imagination. Yeah. If you like. Yeah. That's really cool to me, and I'd I'd give it to you if I didn't frame it and had it already. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Have something tied up in it. Yeah, if I didn't have to frame and mat it, I would give it to you. And if there's any in my sketch pad you ever want, you can have them. It's just framing and matting (laughs) is, you know, the only thing I – but I really enjoy just the idea of you liking it and wanting to put it in your home. Well, and, you know, for I know for people that really are true artists, most of the time – they do it because of the love for it and because they have it in them. And 
the price yeah. or the earning a potential on top of it is completely secondary, exactly. you know, to all of that. It's exactly right, and especially when you really get to express yourself, and when you're not. I don't really like commissioned artwork that much mm-hmm. because I get too many demands on what they want. As far right. as I kind of want this style of girl, mm-hmm. but that I think of that as like copyright infringing, you know, to make yeah. it look like this kind of style. Mm-hmm. And I want this kind of writing on it, you know, on the poem. And I just I don't really enjoy those at all. And I yeah. never put those off until about an hour before. <laughs> I, I am that bad. I will. That's hilarious. I sometimes, well, you know, I loathe them. So I will, yeah. I will, I'll procrastinate. And if I'm really in the mood and like really am excited about a piece that no one has made me do, um, you know, I can spend hours and hours and hours and wow. it's a better piece. But yeah. when I'm made to do it, it's just, and they always well, like them. I just don't understand. I just don't really yeah. like to be told. Well, it's kind of like, you know, the photographer that goes to the wedding or, you know, is Absolutely. being, you know, paid and and the bride has every, you know, pose that she already wants and the photographer's just like, you know, if you want that, you could get anybody to do that. Don't you want exactly. me to be my creative self, you know? That is, ex- I've never thought of it that way, but that is exactly yeah. how it feels. Like, well, why don't you yeah. just photocopy the girl? Exactly. Off the computer and use the and different Photoshop. Yeah. That's exactly what I think. <laughs> and frame fun. it. And no one will ever know. You know, I, yeah. that's kind of how I think of that. It's true. It, it's handicapping you as an artist whenever that kind of stuff happens. Oh, yeah. So I, I can completely understand it. that. Yeah. At this point, I just go, mm, no. You know, not your I, girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not. But um, I'll be happy. You know, I'll show you. You know, as many pieces as I can. But mm-hmm. not. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> so Danielle, when you finally took the plunge and opened your store, and I know you said you opened very or your your gallery very very small. Okay. Did you have any fears or anything that you were completely? Um, oh my gosh! Yeah. What were they? They were, is anybody going to come in? Right. What am I going to do as far as advertising? You know, mm-hmm. where where I was located, um, I moved right next door. I just moved into a place much larger, but I was off the square and not right on the downtown square. So mm-hmm. I thought, how am I going to get people in here? Because it's it, right now there's going we're going through a lot of renovation downtown. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of construction. People are kind of avoiding the area um, just because of the construction everywhere. And mm-hmm. so, um, and that's been going on for the four years that I've been open. So, oh, wow. Yes. So, you know, that was my biggest fear is I'm going to open and no one's going to show up. <laughs> yeah. It's that whole, if you build it, they will come is a complete exactly. myth. We all know that. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, and then you. Oh my gosh, I can yeah, imagine. That was the it, hardest part, but you know, you you started, you know, you get a few loyal customers, and word of mouth is everything. Your um, average person, you know, I I tell people anytime I see a new face walk in my store, I ask them where have they been, where have you been, right. and mm-hmm. uh, oh, I didn't know you were here. I had no idea. Well, how'd you find out? And it's not, you know, probably. 
uh, word of mouth, and then under twenty percent on the internet, which were the Google, you know, mm-hmm. clothing, and then the other. I have to take that back. I, I'm I'm with a group called uh, the Buy Local, and that mm-hmm. has oh, yeah. helped a whole lot. Being yeah. in that program, and it's I'm on a little booklet um, that comes out. Um, think every three months so it's updated mm-hmm. quite often and it's handed out at all local businesses here in town and that has helped a whole lot so when I say 75 percent I would have to take that back but but I would I would guess about 50 percent of the word of mouth and if mm-hmm. you get a good rapport with someone um, I think that they they will tell that you know they're going to talk about that piece and they're going to tell mm-hmm. a friend, and they're they're going to tell another friend, and then the next thing you know, you've built up a, a you know a pretty good clientele quickly. Right, you have your tribe there before exactly. you know it. Exactly. <laughs> yes, I call them my repeat offenders. Yeah, exactly. My exactly. wonderful, wonderful followers of repeat offenders. That's funny. Now you mentioned the um, the buy local Bowling Green, which is a, a great local organization. That's actually how I I found you uh, originally in the beginning, and I had seen your video that they had done and that sort of thing. Besides that organization, um, are there any other community or local resources that you found really helpful in either getting your business off the ground or getting word out about it? Um, what else? You know, Facebook. I, I hate okay. it, but really, the only I don't have a website, so the mm-hmm. only way for me to advertise new products coming in, and to be quite honest, I am not, I have worked many jobs where I've had to be on a computer, so that's uh-huh. them. I currently do not even have an email address, and if uh-huh. you try to get a, a business card made up, um, which, you know, mine does not include an email address, and people uh-huh. Completely freak out, and I just say, you know, you can send me a message on Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, anything like that. But but social media with Facebook is um, because when you have a store, you have like a way to manage your Facebook account, and right. that know how many people viewed it, how many people shared it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from what what I see that I post, I get the overall graph even to see what people like the most. So mm-hmm. I must say without without that, because I'm so not really anti computer, but I do everything from my phone. Right. So that's really been the way that um everyone has said that, you know, they, they find things. They literally come in with their phone with a picture of the dressmaker ah, or the still re- here. <laughs> <laughs> is that how yeah, if things are sold somehow. But, That's interesting. Yeah, I found that being the, the the best way for me to move things without actually listing things because mm-hmm. I I've had I do not like that uh, you know just listing things on eBay. Right. I, I like the interaction with people, and that's sure. always tell me why do you not have this stuff online? And mm-hmm. I always say because I enjoy. You know, there's a lot of people that buy a resell in my store. I'm so okay with that. Mm-hmm. I, I know the eBay price and what uh-huh. the ended listings. You know, I know the price, but I'm I'm at least half of that or or more. And oh, wow. uh, if you want to resell? That's great. But I just uh, really like the interaction with people. 
Yeah, that, and that separates you from from the rest of the online. I mean, that that's part of the local advantage of of having that's local people running local businesses. You know, is that relationship right? And the, the really the only scary part with my business that has kind of scared me as far as being um, in a local business is the the lawsuits. Not really so mm-hmm. much the. I've had a few just people that have tried to take advantage of a business owner um, and just having like a, a fake slip and fall here and there. And so ah. those kind of <clears throat> those issues that I didn't even think were um, ever going to be a problem. Um, wow. But, but we've worked our way through them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm moving to another room. Um, That's okay. So, yeah. Interesting. Now, yeah. let me ask you about your um, the Buy Local Bowling Green. As a new business um, owner or business opening in the area, what what all did they do to try to help you? Oh, oh my gosh! Matt Pinnell came in and literally sat down with me on many occasions and just gave me a startup plan, an idea. You know, I have an idea. And I had started this little store, and then once we grew bigger and I, I could carry 41 artists, and that's mm-hmm. what I usually average, um, sat down with me and gave just gave me a lot of advice since he works with so many people, mm-hmm. um, you know, that are in local businesses, the do's and the don'ts. And, you know, uh, really, uh, uh, it was just really good advice, and I appreciated it, and you just kind of... You don't really know, and that really got my name out there as far as the advertising that they do because mm-hmm. they know how to actually – it's not a Facebook audience. It's right. nation – you know, it, 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 basically as soon as he does an advertisement for me, um, I feel like that for some reason that is the only – it gets a whole other audience. It's exposure level that he gets that you couldn't on your own. No, there is no way, and you kind of just need to be in a community like that. And we all support yeah. each other, so we all have business cards. And you know, if they're having a sale on any place that's local, mm-hmm. we try to share that information. And we have—I'm um, also in the local map group for anybody that's coming in town that just wants mm-hmm. to know not just shopping, but you know, dining, local mm-hmm. restaurants. Um, that's a that's a really awesome program too because it, it kind of maps out all the local businesses. Yeah. And get you out of the mall. I don't. I mean, I just. Oh yeah. The mall. <laughs> and I, if I were visiting Bowling Green, the last place I would want to go to the mall. That is so true. Of everything well, but the mall. <laughs> let's be generic in our lives. Exactly. So that's I went to the mall because we had terrible. T- I haven't been to the mall in years, but I had to go for uh, trick or treating with my sons. Mm-hmm. And so of course I'm Marie Antoinette, and uh, my head has been chopped off, and I'm walking around, and my husband said I looked like a child in a candy store because I I go do people really dress like this is. I, I mean, I'm. I guess I am in my own world, but I am looking around and I don't understand any of it. I'm like, really? That's hilarious. That is hilarious. The prices of things. I just do yeah. not understand retail prices and why anyone would pay it. Is the well. 
and and paying the higher prices and I hate to say it but the stuff now that's made is not near the quality oh. of the vintage stuff that you're dealing oh. with. Yeah, um, I don't buy it unless it's made in America. Mhm. Wow. Uh, and clothing wise, yeah, mm-hmm. any of my merchandise is either handmade or it's made in the USA. Wow. What a great what a I great com- thing. Yeah, I completely cleared out anything that um is manufactured from China that's mass produced. There's just I can't do it. Yeah, and that's a great. I mean, that's the thing. I think as long as if there is a market for that, and there are if there are business owners like you that will hold the line on that, then you easily differentiate yourselves from the other businesses out there that are selling. What I mean, I call it the fake stuff. It's Thank you. it's mass produced. It's not. I mean, there's no character. There's no charm to right. it. Nothing unique about it. Right. You're going to have one, and your friends are going to have one that's, in every color, and it that's just. That's exactly how I feel, and I've felt that way my whole life. Like, but that's something I felt my entire life, even as a child. I I started working. I think what got me is I started working at um, a little consignment store when I was 12 years old for two dollars mm-hmm. an hour, and I never mm-hmm. got a paycheck. But what was so awesome about it? is that I resold my clothes. I'd wear it once and I'd resell it and get to pick up something else. And I didn't understand why anyone would buy anything new when mm-hmm. there's there's somebody out there that's not even going to wear it or maybe wear it once and they're going to bring it right in, you know, to this mm-hmm. And I'm going to wear it once or twice or three times, four times, and then I'm going to resell it. And um, that's kind of just changed everything on the way I thought of um, clothing, I mean, I just thought, well, you can just have some really great outfits that you like, but then you could just play, you know. Right, right. There's a market in my clothing that I can't sell in my store, and that's stuff that's not vintage that I sell, and it's really strange, but if I get in, like, things like Prada or Mm -hmm. Gucci that's not um, the market that I have at my store. So uh-huh. I do actually better at consignment stores that I only get 50% of what they market it at. But that's what wow. people are looking for that go to those places. Right, right. They're not looking for that at your place. They're looking oh. for well, the other... Yeah, I mean it's not it's the if it was vintage Gucci that would be yeah no, the, exactly. but but it's but the new stuff you know mm-hmm. it, it w- just wouldn't sell in my place. Yeah, and it's the same thing. I hate to say it. It seems like every big name designer um, for the the mass marketed stuff you know that they put in their stores have all gone offshore with the making of everything and the prices have not changed you know if anything they've gone up and so you just think wait a minute you're you're devaluing your brand by doing that so that is something that um you know when the company Dooney and Burke even yeah to change to Costa Rica you know it plummeted and as soon as Mm -hmm. they went back to USA of course they're they went back to making money again. Absolutely. It's like, why would you be a USA product for, you know, 30 years or more and then just think people aren't going to notice? Right. You know, yeah. you know yeah. we're, we're not going to will into the label. And, and Absolutely. That is when I do, I do a lot of trading, 
at my store. So, um, you know, ladies know to bring in their, the vintage. And the mm-hmm. first thing I do on, of course, I love handmaids, but if it's not handmade, um, I'm a tag reader. And what I'm not looking for the name. I'm just looking where it's made. It's so funny. I'm just looking where it's made first, and then I look at the garment. Because if uh-huh. it's made in China, I don't buy it. You already know. I will not buy it. There is, there's no way. Well, ex- that's an excellent standard to have. I'm glad to glad to know that there are people that are doing that, and so many of the local business owners that I talk to, whether they're you know in brand new retail or you know other avenues, have that same philosophy. They they, they want local first, and then they'll settle for regional. But the very bare minimum is made in USA. So there is so few things left, and they're so good of products that mm-hmm. are. The craftsmanship of Made in America furniture that yes. sell in my store is so much better. And this is what I think of when I think of China wood. Is you know when you see the donation piles at Goodwill when they're yeah. pallets and they're been squished together. Mm-hmm. We are actually such we we consume so much. We do that, that they. They take that and they send it to China. China grinds up all our excess goods, and then they make our furniture to sell it back to us, made out of that that ground mm-hmm. clothing and shoes that we. So when you look at a piece of furniture that's made in China, I can't help but think of dirty socks, <laughs> round <laughs> with a bunch of rubber soles of my uh-huh. old, like old sneakers, shoes. Yeah. That, the inside, and then there's just a thin veneer that's going to come off within the first spill of Kool-Aid by my children. Right. And well <laughs> up, and like that's that's what people want in their homes. Like, yeah. But no, 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 no. Well, we've become a disposable society. You know, we don't value anything because nothing's made nothing's made to last anymore, and you can't right. get it if you try. And so we think, well, everything is disposable, or even if something breaks around the house, you think, oh, it's just as cheap to get it new, uh, you know, right. to replace it. And no one fixes things anymore. So I think it's – I love the fact that you you repurpose so much and, and give it a new life and – it may be a com- completely different object when you're done with it, but I love that it's keeping those things out of the landfills and it's repurposing them so that they can actually have a, you know, a place in somebody's home or in their space and, you know, create a different environment. So I love that. Now, Danielle, we don't generally like to focus a lot on the negative, but I think that maybe you've had some failures or lessons along the way that maybe you could share with other business owners that might help them avoid some of the same pitfalls that maybe you've had. So can you think of any things, any failure come to mind whenever we talk about things you could Um, learn from? Yes. I have really had the most um, problems with credit card companies. Oh, okay. They they just send people to your store and they ask, you know, to speak with the owner. These are very, you know, I say intelligent people that are talking mm-hmm. to you and they're promising you low rates. They're beating. They're going to beat your bank prices and they're going to do this. And then what I have learned in two situations, it's happened to me twice, is those people work for about a day there. They get their commission 
and oh, they wow. had with both times that I have switched um, the just the first thing I tell people is to never believe anything a sales rep with a credit card company says, and that's mm. the, that has been just so major in in my life because I had a gentleman walk in. He sold me what I thought. Well, uh, he walked out with the equipment because he couldn't get it working. Mm-hmm. But, but you gave, I gave a total stranger all my personal information, like from mm-hmm. my social security number. I mean, when I look back on it and I tell the story, it sounds crazy. But you talked <laughs> right. to their, you talked to their boss on the phone. You confirm the rates on the credit card. They tell you that they, and it's in the contract, that they will buy out any contract that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, on this particular occasion, he couldn't get the equipment to work, so he walked out of the store with the equipment, and I had a little um, contract that had his name where he had signed it saying he took it. Well, that that doesn't matter. Anything that's added to a contract, I just tell people, really read your contracts. Since that was added, it doesn't matter. So that equipment never was returned. So I have a a gentleman that um, knew how to tap into the system, and really he pulled out a lot of money out of my account. Oh, no. Well, that's just something with credit card companies that I just say, Mm -hmm. either go with a local bank or what I've really enjoyed the most and I've used for the last six months is the E-Square Trade. Um, Oh, yes. That on a tablet. And most local businesses use them because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's just a simple rate. It's, um, you know, it's portable. You, if you set mm-hmm. up on the square for second time right. selling your artwork, I can totally take my square app and, and use, I can even have you sign my phone if I, ha- you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's just a simple way to do it. And there's no, it's no contract. contracts. There's mm. no contract and it's a 2.75%. And trust me, there's just been, a lot of heartache over the credit card. Every business I've, I've just had, in every local business that I talked to, it's so it's not just me that is just right. some of the same issues because they promise you the moon and then they don't. They don't even work any longer, and then right. you might have identity theft. And it happens mm-hmm. to a lot of people that I, I talk to. So it's not just me. No, it's not. And, you know, but, Danielle, it's only been in the last couple of years that that credit card processing has become easy. I mean, once Square came out with the card reader that hooks into the tablet or smartphone, you know, then it created a lot of other, you know, people realizing that, wait a minute, we should be doing this because this is every business owner's nightmare and there's a market here. Right. so if all you ever did was try five years ago to get credit card processing in your company, you would still be stuck with a headache and a nightmare. Oh, yes. And, yeah, so I would definitely, if anybody is out there that has stopped taking credit cards because it was such a nightmare and you're on a cash-only basis, there the the credit card industry or the credit card processing industry has changed so much and it's become much more simple without all the transaction fees and the high rates and you never knowing what you're going to pay and then having this proprietary equipment that you've got to lease and all this other stuff. Um, All your account information and they would just withdraw at will. uh, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think, fees in those contracts, that's why those contracts are like 12 pages and 
because there's a lot of little, oh, well, if you process more than what you thought you might, it's a different <laughs> really. And so this E-square is kind of like you just you plug it into to a tablet or your phone, and mm-hmm. you punch it in, and it goes in that night. And not mm-hmm. it's not a let's wait four business days for it. Right. It's been the the last six months with it. It's been it's been and it's so simple and everyone uses it. So I've never had anyone and it's safer than the credit yeah. card machine because it mm-hmm. encrypts the numbers immediately. Absolutely. So you cannot go back into any account like you could with a credit card machine. Like say right. added a tip. You know, if you, you you have access to go back into that account, mm-hmm. there's no way to do that with eSquare. So I, I would actually prefer all businesses to have it just because no one, no disgruntled employee can sell right. equipment. And then, you know, what I've found out is what they do is they sell the card numbers. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that this is something that should change. It, it's changed a lot of local businesses. That I've right. Done. And, and you know, it's made it, the mobile piece of that has made it fantastic for people yes. out at, you know, flea markets, farmers markets, and other places that might not have Wi-Fi, might not even have sometimes enough electrical outlets to run all the equipment on. You know, yep. you've got it there, and it's completely self-sufficient. And so I, I'm glad you're on that now because that's definitely, as far as I'm concerned, the way to go for credit card processing. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Now, Danielle, you very clearly have an eye for art, and we're going to, you know, hook up to your um, Facebook page and that sort of thing in the show notes so people can see um, some of the things that you're doing. Um, but it doesn't really matter whether it's vintage clothing or collectible prints or even the one-of-a-kind metal sculptures, it seems like you've got quite an eclectic um, inventory, so to speak. Where do you find most of the items that you sell in your store? I usually, I do not um, go to estate sales. I do not enjoy the last um, auction that I went to. There were people fist fighting over possession. Oh, no. Um, so I thought that was that, and I hadn't been to an auction before that in ye- you know years. So mm-hmm. I thought that this was like this was the most outrageous thing. There were dealers working to the side that were like like if you don't bid on this, you know. Oh things, yeah. It, it, just things that were going on that was really shady about the whole mm-hmm. thing, and I thought it was really strange. So people ask me that all the time. Where do you get it? Where do you get it? And we started saying Egypt because it was so much easier <laughs> to explain. <laughs> but but I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is um, a lot of times I'll, I it's through word of mouth, but say mm-hmm. someone, a relative has passed, there are some family members that I can't imagine are like this because I do not own anything like even a photograph of my grandparents. So mm-hmm. I am the, I've collected for everyone that doesn't have a photograph. <laughs> I mean, I really do. So I go into these places that are about to be, you know, half of Bowling Green is being torn down right now. They're doing mm-hmm. all this renovating. And so these old historic homes are coming down left and right. Wow. And so a lot of people are asking, um, you know, once they're, once people have been, you know, taken out of the home, not mm-hmm. taken out, but, you know, moved out, they're, right. 
but there's mantles that, you know, are solid cherry. Right. And then I can't let that get, get demolished. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I can look at it like I'm saving something, mm-hmm. whether I have the money or not. Even if I have to do, like, store credits, just right. a mantle, I'll do it. You know, if that, if that uh-huh. AD, there's something that we got to do to get this safe before someone tears us up or, you know. Absolutely. So, so most of the time, uh, it, the, I guess the last probably year, it's come to me. People will bring things that they have mm-hmm. seen. Some of it, you know, I love it when people just tell the truth and they say, I found it at the scrapyard and I knew you'd love it. And it's a oh, okay. absolutely like, a, you know, a brass uh, cover screen for a Victorian fireplace. Fireplace, and yeah. Space in it. And someone was going to scrap that, you know. Wow. Uh, but but a lot of times, um, I guess it's people that just kind of know the things and the oddities that I like, and they know mm-hmm. how we purpose it. So they know when they, they might bring it to me in a horrible condition, and, right? But they know that I'll, I'll totally take it home and work on it for the weekend. I, I think I've repurposed four pieces today. So oh, fantastic! So so in your off time, you're really working. <laughs> oh no, it's Playing to us, like uh, <laughs> I'm there's not child child labor laws. Uh, right. I have a five and seven year old that were totally helping me varnish, stain oh, some furniture tonight, and enjoyed it. And we um we actually uh, painted painted some other pieces of furniture today, which I really do not like the new style of having to paint furniture. I put mm. signs on certain pieces of furniture in my store explaining that this is bird's eye maple, I will not paint it, I don't mm-hmm. care how much, you know, that, that I don't right. understand this paint. I just know that in a few years you're going to change your mind and Most you wish it. you didn't have that turquoise dresser. Right. You know, I mean, I, I yeah. love them now, but I just know that you'll in, in, be an interior decorator for, I graduated, I guess, in 2000, and it, for 14 years, I have not. Uh, I've seen things come and go, and I've had to go through 10 years ago where I had to take all the paint off. Yes. (laughs) And I don't want to have to do it now that they put the primer in it, and it's going to be a lot of hard work. Absolutely. But I still do it is what's so sad. I I will keep (laughs) it. And and it'll stay in the store. Anything that stays in the store, you know, longer than a month or two, I'll take it home, paint it, and it sells the next day. And I, Unbelievable. I don't, I know. Like you can't always <laughs> do what you want. You have to do what everyone else wants. That's you know, cool. uh, that's what, I, that's something else I learned that it might not be, in most cases, everything is my style except for painted furniture. I loathe having to paint it because I don't like painting solid wood. I don't mm-hmm. understand why people want solid wood painted, but, but I'll wow. do it because you, you, you really want me to. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's good that you've gotten to the point where people are coming to you with things because I know that it cuts down the 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 treasure hunt, so to speak, and gives oh. you the ability to process more and, and get more in your store. That's now, not all what I like, though. I loathe. I've lost my mojo again. But yeah. <laughs> so I got to go to a house that was about to be demolished um, last week, and I don't think I had been in a home where I could just really just go picking. Right. 
several months. So, you know, I lost time. All time went away. <laughs> it's uh, I walked still, huh? in and I hit, oh my gosh, I only stayed in three rooms and it had been, it was the most amazing, it was some of the most amazing finds I had ever found. It was literally torn down like within four hours of me being in there. And I saved so many things. Oh, that's got to feel good, though. It's got to feel good to keep the life of that that item going, you know. It made me go to work, you know, the next week. Yes. Go to work because I saved so many things. Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, just they were going to leave the mantles. And I just thought, I, I don't understand when people are going to to take down something. I don't understand the wastefulness of putting things in a dumpster and putting mm-hmm. them in a landfill that are solid cherry mantles. I just I, I don't I don't need I can't it, it doesn't even process in my mind. Wow. I am a dumpster diva. I am <laughs> always. That's what we knew we were going to call the store the Bolden Sons is I was in the dumpster and I had like a caravan of moms driving by real slow so I was doing the parade wave you know where you just stand up uh-huh. <laughs> wave um but I was getting I was found I'm finding bricks and um anyhow um I I've always have done it and enjoyed it but most of the time when I go to people's homes and they're wanting to sell me their beautiful Murano and Fenton glass I'm just screeching at what I see that they've already thrown in the dumpster. Like, oh, I wow. stand that why, why, why? Why would you throw a beautiful table from a second-story window into a dumpster? You know, I just... Yeah. But people do that, and I... Yeah. I can't make them stop. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, that's the thing. You have an eye for what can be done with that and a vision yeah. for it that not everyone has. So, I mean, the world needs people like you to, to help help us with that kind of stuff. So, now, can you talk a little bit about, I know you were able to um, secure a deal to distribute print mafia um, yes. things. That and then my, you my most happiest moment is when I called Jim and Connie and I said, I'm going to open a gallery and I want you to be my exclusive feature. And do you know, as soon as I opened my shop, they were instantly in a gallery showing in our town, which they are nation, you know, they're known all over, but in our own mm-hmm. town, no right. one realized that they were right there. You know, they're here. Mm-hmm. You, you, they were buying it in Cal- they were buying it online. Everyone's right, buying it online, and I, 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 you can come to my store and get it for exactly what Brent Mafia wants for it, without shipping. Right, no shipping cost, and I'll frame and map it for you if you like. Mm-hmm. So you just happen to find, or you just happen to know them and know that they oh. didn't have an on on site distribution model. Well, their yeah, but, well, they did. They, at that time, they didn't have. No, they really didn't. There was not um, the skate shop. The no, the Blue Wallace wasn't around then. And you know, now there is um, several outlets. There's two more outlets for them, um, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. I'm, I'm so happy about that. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's also Mary's Bar Records, and she kind of she promotes them online as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that has that has been 
that's been something that I've been buying the prints from them for 20 years, but it was like when I saw them at the grocery store. Yeah. I would say, hey, what do you have new? And, you know, scroll down, and I want that and that and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I bought my print mafia for the last 20 years. And um, now, you know, we actually have a place where you can – I don't understand what people that like to buy online. I have to touch mm-hmm. things, feel yeah. things. I, I, I'm probably the most annoying customer in the world at an antique shop, but I do have to <laughs> kind of touch it and feel yeah. it. And, you know, but I wouldn't, I don't get any pleasure of, from buying online either. Right. So I don't get to see what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. So I guess you've probably kind of changed Print Mafia's business some by putting them in your store. I hope so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> instantly got a gal, like as soon as I opened within, um, I guess, a, a month, they were featured in Gallery 916. And mm-hmm. it was a really big turnout. They sold tons of artwork. And then once I started carrying them locally and wearing their clothing, you know, their shirts, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I think that they got a, a much, well, they've always, I mean, I'm not saying that I did anything. Mm-hmm. They they have always had a great following. So right. I'm not say that I'm the one that helped print Mafia, but I mean, I do think that I promoted them as a local artist versus Absolutely. being online. Well, and it's a shame for your local community not to be able to know they're there and enjoy enjoy their localness and their, you know, yeah. physical presence there in your community and just have other people appreciate it. Right. So I just devoted a, just a huge area of the store to them because I think that their artwork is just so amazing and so unique that Everybody needs to know that that talent is being done here in town. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a definitely a feather in the Bowling Green cap there as far as the local art world. So now I know that you have had to be creative with what type of marketing efforts that you've had to do with your store when you open up from trying to figure out you know, what your advertising budget is or figure out where to put any effort or time. So what strategies are you currently using that are working for LeBold and Sons? Oh, my gosh, I would have to say, and I've said it before, but Facebook is where I have done all my marketing. I have really built a website for the store. I have Mm -hmm. have one in construction right now, but I am such a, if it can't be done from my phone, I'm probably not going to do it. Uh Uh-huh. And so um, Facebook is where I, if I get a new project, everything that I painted or upholstered, for the day or any projects or any dress that I saw that needed to go on a mannequin and take pictures of or outfits, um, mm-hmm. I just put it, I posted them on Facebook and then people will come in Wednesday with the picture. It's really funny. That's, so, that is awesome. This dress or I want this stool, I want this chair. Um, and it's, I just think that's funny, but that's how it sells. Yeah, that. But you know what? That I was going to say that gets people coming in. Know you know exactly the result of your marketing whenever yeah. you're using Facebook, and they come in with your the picture of the page. Um, you know, you know that your efforts are paying off when you see that time and time and time again. So, yeah. and you know then that it's worthwhile to continue yeah. um, engaging your customers on Facebook. So, yeah, and I now, 
very much. It's something that, you know, you get kind of what I call it is like first dibs for all the people, the local people mm-hmm. that, um, you know, instead of, I, I don't, I don't mind, like I said, the dealers, but you know, it's like first dibs on things. Like mm-hmm. I'm calling that dress for 20 Right. So that handmade <laughs> dress is only $20. I get it. Cause I said, get it down first. here fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so first, you know, you would just message me that, Hey, Danielle, that's mine. And that's just kind of fun. Yeah, it is. Cause then you, you also create, you create buzz that way, which Absolutely. is which is great user engagement. So, yeah, lots of friendship. I mean, we I have really created a lot of um, really great people. I haven't created anybody. <laughs> I said I created people. <laughs> I have had a ton of people that um, by having the shop, I've found such uh, unique people that mm-hmm. I you know had no idea had this talent, and I've I've finally decided that I kind of enjoy doing set design and we've uh-huh. a lot of that upstairs and having bands come in and do um, either photo shoots and we've done a few music videos and things. Oh, cool. I have really, really enjoyed doing set design. So I at, at 37, I've decided what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> well, and it's a great use of your space, too. Yeah, it really is. Upstairs are just um, was an old hotel from 1890s, and there's all the rooms are different. And so I just kind of put different decades together. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I have a 50s room and then a lot of Victorian rooms. Um, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of people that just come up there and do photo shoots and things like that. But it's a really great creative space to work. Um, and it's it's just really turned the um, a lot of a lot of, you know all the photo journalists use that mm-hmm. area for free anytime they like to, oh, to shoot and and have some of the best pieces come out of the just the different atmosphere of it up there. So that's a really cool idea. It really um, thinks. Yeah, and it, it, you know, it's just a different it's just a different take on what you can do with your space. So I like that you've kind of thought outside the box and created something that's uh, completely different than your your retail uh right. you know, establishment. So um let me ask you this because I know over the course of these last 4 years in owning a business, you've you've learned a lot um and you learned a lot about local businesses, but what do you think is the main lesson that you've learned through the process of, of growing LeBold and Sons? Oh, my goodness. My biggest lesson. Um, well, I was very naive in the beginning on a handshake and eye contact being everything. And you can't. Uh-huh. And I, I have learned to, I do draw up contracts because I'll let you borrow anything you want. If you are, you know, what's the mm-hmm. students need some the items for a shoot. Um, I used to just always just handshake and smile and that's mm-hmm. it, eye contact, you know, and it mm-hmm. would be brought back. But I, I found out that people don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, they kind of just looked at me yeah. funny and, okay. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> basically, I've changed the way I've done my business in the last two years where it's not that I want any money. I'm just going to draw off a contract. And it's very simple. It just says that you will be re- bringing the items back or uh-huh. there will be a charge, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, for the, since I've done that, everything get, comes back. 
Unbelievable. Um, last last winter, I think we lost every last Christmas. We lost all our mannequins' legs because I loaned out for the Christmas story uh, and the Christmas parade all mannequin legs to make and made leg leg lamps. Yeah, and I literally left every single one of my mannequins that had legs. They were made into lamps, and I didn't have anyone bring them back. So we have a lot wow. just sitting around. And that's a, little, a lesson where I just thought, you know, a handshake is worth, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that you just learn. You got to kind of learn the hard way. But yeah. I really think I can read people, and I and the people that you don't think would do that really do. And so, yeah, something that you, just saves you. And people um, don't think anything about it, but they actually will bring things and return things. And um, it's kind of sad. But it's something that I did learn the hard way, and I just tell people that, that that's not how things are done. It's not like uh, I get used to be. Yeah, it's it's true, and it, it is a sad state that we're in that we can't function that way. But you have to protect yourself, and you have to protect your investments. Otherwise, you lose right. your business. So. Now, Danielle, one of the things we do on this podcast, because we um, know that people that are listening might be um, people that haven't yet taken the plunge into owning a local business, and maybe they're looking for their niche and and trying to figure out what the best local business for them to get into is. And so I think the best way to help people is to talk to other local business owners all over the country and to ask them what holes in the market they are finding. In other words, are there local uh, products or services that you would love to be able to find locally, but you just can't find them. Oh, absolutely! Um, fresh fruit, vegetables mm-hmm. that, that are at farmers market. Um, I just had a gentleman that that has a shop down the road that he makes all his furniture um, himself, mm-hmm. and he just started a program where he'll actually deliver the fresh produce to you, and that mm-hmm. helps. So many people that can't get out in the winter time, or mm-hmm. it's actually brought to you. Um, that's something that was a business that he started, and I thought that was just such a wonderful idea. Oh yeah, he could use that, um, and it, it's really it's taken off. And it's good. That good. I, I just I, I'm so glad that he did that, and it instantly. Um, was something, but there's all sorts of, um, you know, local art, what I did. I think if there was someone in every town that would take the plunge and just say, mm-hmm. I want to see some local art, and I'm not going to charge you an arm and a leg to, to right. sell. And and I'm going to not just take certain names. I am going to, if I like it, I'll put it out. If I don't, you know, I just say, I'm sorry. But mm-hmm. I don't, I, I just say I'm sorry. You know, we really, and we don't have the space all the time. Uh, if you mm-hmm. look at any of the pictures of the store, there's, there's it's crowded, yeah. <laughs> very packed. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I don't, um, if I like it, I'll put it out there. And um, some people, I think every, I would go to any store in any city if I Googled, like local art gallery, especially uh-huh. knowing that it's it's. I don't really want to say I'm nonprofit because I do ten percent, mm-hmm. but if you do your credit cards and your tax, that's that's ten yeah. percent. So exactly, um, you, you're just not paying a crazy fee that galleries mm-hmm. charge. 
but some mm-hmm. people want to shop where there's only like less than 20 items in a store and right. and you know my own mom goes crazy she can't come into my store just due to the fact that it's so crowded <laughs> like i didn't raise you like this that's and, so funny uh, yeah so it's kind of funny she's just you know a lot of people just get overwhelmed and can't take mm-hmm. it all in and then there's people like me that come in and they can stay all day and dig and find right. all the hidden stuff because mm-hmm. I put the really good stuff, I'm so funny, but I put the really good stuff, like, I kind of hide it, just mm-hmm. because I know if I were them and I was going to get something at such a deal that I'd want to have found it, like, uh-huh. yeah, like <laughs> in the back of a shelf, but I had to mm-hmm. leave down. And she oh, that's funny. And she Murano vase that she had no idea that she only put $10 on. You know what I mean? Oh, that's funny. It, yeah, It yeah, is. Yeah. It's so funny i love it though but it's kind of like um if i can't go hunting i at least get to watch people hunt yeah exactly you create the hunt for other i do people. i really awesome. yeah it's fun that is awesome. So, Danielle, you have been fantastic with sharing so much about your business with us. And I wanted to give the opportunity for you to promote um, anything about your business that you have going on to our listeners. So well, have have your ch- your chance. Well, I appreciate that. I just would basically like um, anyone to, to know or everyone to know that um, we really, really enjoy – um, having people come in and visit with us, we are the probably one of the few places left in town where there is customer service beyond what you could <laughs> ever ask for. Um, I'll help you find anything. I'll even take you to some of my treasure spots. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and that that um, a lot of the Facebook, it, it, you know, if if you do Facebook, that's kind of how I. You know, put mm-hmm. a lot of my my things out there. Um, it's it's an amazing way to get some really good finds that I put post just just for the people that that do follow me on mm-hmm. follow the Bolden Sons on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, there's some really good deals out there, and um, I get excited. And when I'm on a you know a pick, I can't help it. It's you know, if I get a really good deal on something, I don't care what someone online sells it for that's mm-hmm. that's why my products don't last i don't want the right sitting there i want right. i want someone to be talking 10 years from now that they picked this up for me for ten dollars and it was mm-hmm. four hundred dollars and she just didn't oh wow she just didn't know it i just love that <laughs> you know just, you know the people that just think i just have no clue on what i'm doing but i uh-huh. i they didn't realize that I found it in a barn. You know? Yeah, and you you paid nothing for it or something. Well, yeah, so. yeah, or I bought the whole barn for a hundred dollars and I got yeah. a hundred dollars back. So you know, it's kind of like um, if you're nice, you could have it for free. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All you have to do is be nice around it, around That's, here, get things for free. 
That's awesome. Well, Danielle, what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll link up to your Facebook page so people can actually go right from our page and and click on the link and be right on your Facebook page and like you and see um, all the wonderful things that you're doing and the um, neat finds that you show and all that. And I, you've been a blast to talk to. I love your energy for your um, your passion for your uh, business and the it's probably not even a business to you, Heart. You know, it's one of those things where it's just your passion. And um, I appreciate you sharing with us and, and giving us a bird's eye view into your journey. And um, thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor. Well, thank you very much. You have been wonderful. I, I've never um, heard anyone that speaks so well. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I feel like I have rambled on and um, you, you have, you, you've got a way with words. Let's say that. Well, I appreciate it. And, Danielle, we'll look forward to seeing uh, your website whenever it comes out. So I'll keep checking back on that. And whenever it does, I'll add it to our show notes link. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. It was an honor. Well, you're very very welcome. We want to get the word out. And uh, I can't thank you enough for your time tonight. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.